Good morning. Greetings to those online and those in F3 this morning. Well, what is it that our all-powerful God cannot do? God cannot act contrary to, who, to his own character and to his own nature. He doesn't do nonsensical things like create a rock that's too big to move. Back in uh, the late 80s and early 90s, um, I was uh, a youth pastor in Illinois, and we would go to the Sandwich Fair. It's huge. Uh, our church had a tent there, and uh, we wanted to draw people in, and so we had this little setup, <clears throat> and uh, the setup was, come and see three things that God cannot do. Well, people would walk in there, and they'd be kind of ticked off because we were saying that, and God can do anything. And so they'd go to the first door, and they'd see, God cannot lie. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I get you, yeah. And then the next door, um, God cannot sin, of course. And then the third door, God cannot let anyone into heaven who's not born again. And uh, those are all true because God has set it up that way. When we talk about God's, God's omnipotence, we mean that all God intends to do, uh, he can do, and he does do. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, But our God is in the heavens, and he does whatever he pleases. Psalm 135.6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth. This is because God is all-powerful or omnipotent. Psalm 62.11, the last part of that verse says, power belongs to God. Power belongs to God. And then Gabriel said to Mary in, in Luke 137, for nothing will be impossible with God. <clears throat> Just a, a few short, a few small uh, things here about, about God's omnipotence, okay? At least four truths. The, uh, God's omnipotence means that God has unlimited power. The word omni means all, and potent means able to do and to have power. So omnipotent means able to do all and to have all power. When the Lord is called the Almighty in Revelation 19.6, it basically means the same thing as omnipotent. Almighty means having an infinite and absolute fullness of unlimited power. God is the source of all power. There isn't any power anywhere in the universe that God is not its source. Wherever there is power at all, God is the author of it. God delegates his power to his creation, but he never relinquishes any of it. So if he gives power to an archangel, God doesn't go, now I'm feeling tired, I need to rest. God doesn't relinquish any of his power. If he gives power to you and me, he gives us power, but he retains the power. God cannot and does not relinquish any of his power. One of the amazing things about this omnipotent, all-powerful God, God Almighty, is that he is personal, that he loves, that he loves you and me. In John 17, 3, Jesus prayed, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You can know this omnipotent, all-powerful God. And when we're talking about building bridges into our our friends' lives, those who we work, live, and play with. We're talking about being dependent on this all-powerful God to build those bridges. He's not calling us to do this on our own strength or on our own. It's his power. And to me, that is incredibly encouraging. <clears throat> We're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. If you turn there in your Bible, um, in, Mark, in Mark chapters 4 and 5, we see the reality of God's power in Christ in rapid succession in four intense and riveting stories. At the end of Mark 4, we see that Jesus calms the storm as he's going over to the other side of the sea. And he says, hush, be still. 
and the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Jesus is showing he has power over nature. In, in Mark 5, which we'll read here, he has power over demons. And in, in later in Mark 5, we see that he has the power over disease as a woman touches his clothes and, and she, immediately she stops bleeding and she's healed. But we also see that Jesus has power over death as he raises Jairus' daughter and he tells her, little girl, I say to you, get up. And she immediately is restored to life. The power of God in Christ. Well, let's look at Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read the 20 verses here, so please follow along as I read. They came to the other side of the sea, into the country of Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I implore you, by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby in the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had 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 legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described it to them, how it happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they began to implore him to leave their region. And he was getting into the boat. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he said, And he did not let him, but he said to him, Go, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. I I think this is amazing. You see the sovereign hand of, of God in the life of Jesus that Jesus had this guy on his calendar that day. Because in Mark 4, uh, 35, it says, Jesus says to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Jesus wanted to go to the other side and meet this man who had probably thousands of demons living inside of him. This was a divine appointment. Uh, Jesus was on a mission to rescue this man. You know, you, you think about the, the idea, the first thing I want to mention that I think in verses 1 through 5 here is that Christ has the power to save anyone in any condition. No one is beyond the reach of the love and power of God. Nobody. Because God is all-powerful. This, this guy was unclean. He was possessed. Verses 2 and 9, it says that he had multiple unclean demons living in him. You know, a, a Roman legion, if, if you look that up, it, it could be maybe between 3,000 and 6,000 people. I have no idea how many demons were in this man. 
Maybe at least 2,000 because 2,000 swine ran off the cliff. But we see that this man was filled with unclean uh, de demons. Just, just incredible. He was also incredibly violent. Um, <clears throat> he, he would break the, the chains that were on him. They would break into pieces. He was supernaturally strong, and it says there was nobody who was able to subdue him until, until he met Jesus. And Jesus, no problem. The all-powerful God takes care of the situation. This man was isolated. He had no human contact. He lived out in the tombs, running around. He had zero relationships except with the demons. Those were his relationships. That was his community. And, and they were wanting to torture him and, and bring him harm on a, on a consistent basis. Constant suffering. He, he was living a life of chaos. Um, every night, every, day and night, um, he was running around naked among the tombs, crying out in agony. The demons controlled him. He was so self-destructive that he was taking sharp stones and ripping his flesh with the stones. So let me ask, do you know anybody like this? Do you know anybody who has at least 2,000 demons in them? Uh, I don't, and uh, it's amazing. But the, the idea is, is that nobody is beyond the reach of the power of God. God is able to do and save and change the life of, every, of, of everybody who would put their trust and faith in him. So to me, this story starts out with, it's terrifying, but it starts out with great hope because Jesus changed this man's life. It's a story of hope because this man seemed unreachable. If there was any, ever, ever a person beyond help, it was, seemed to be this guy. And no one is beyond the hope of Jesus and his gospel. The power of the gospel is for salvation to everyone who believes. Well, we see that the power of Christ is able to save anyone in any condition, but we also see that the power of Christ uh, over Satan, over demons. Jesus was not intimidated. Jesus went looking for these evil, wicked spirits. And, and we see in verse 6 their submission to him as they bow. We see their verbal confession that he is the son of the Most High. They recognize who he is. They're, they have a great fear of punishment in verse 7. Do not torment me. They're begging and pleading not to be sent away, but they, they beg and plead him to be sent into the swine. There's this desperation that they don't want to be sent out of that country. They evidently wanted to still be able to operate in their wickedness in that area. And it's interesting in verse 13, they needed permission from the Son of the Most High to leave and go into the swine. And they were obedient. They left the man. Jesus, 100%, if you remember what I was talking about, this idea that God is the author of power. Power belongs to him. In my own personal life, um, <clears throat> this was a, a very important thing for me to understand. Is in my early 20s, I, I believe I was under a demonic oppression. I'm not going to go into details on that. But it was pretty intense. And it, as I learned my position in Christ, and I learned that in the prayer in Ephesians, when it talks about that, <clears throat> that, I, would, that I would understand all the things that I have in Christ, that I would understand that the surpassing greatness of his power towards me is given to me who believe. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is given to me as a believer. And there I have power over the evil one. That greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And this is what Jesus is displaying here in this passage. Great power. And so we see that no one is unreachable and that Jesus has power over the evil one. 
And then the third thing I want to mention is Christ wants our story of deliverance to be shared with others. He told this man, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I want to make really clear, this man was not a victim. This man was a sinner. He evidently did something to allow the opportunity for, the, for these evil spirits to have access to his life, that he gave a foothold, which became a stronghold, which became this reality of demonic possession in this man. But Jesus delivered him because of his omnipotent power. In Psalm 145, men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. And then in Psalm 145 again, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. That's what Jesus wanted this man to do. Go talk about the one who delivered you. Go tell them about me and how I showed mercy on you. You did not get what you deserved. This man deserved hell, and so did I, because I was born a sinner, separated from God. But God, in his kindness and in his grace, saved him. He saved me. Instead, I, I, I get Jesus. And, and his righteousness and his love and, a, and, a, and an eternal relationship with the Son of the Most High God. That's mercy. And this man received that kind of mercy. And Jesus wanted him to tell his story. What did Jesus do in your life? And he went around and he spread it all over Decapolis, telling the story of what Jesus had done. And, and that is what I believe God is, is asking us, to build bridges dependent on the omnipotent, all-powerful God, knowing that when we share the gospel, knowing that when, as we are intentional in building bridges with people who don't know Christ, that God is the one working. God is the one who's going to change hearts. I'm not, you're not. But he does want us to partner. It's a privilege. He wants us to partner with him, and he gives us this message of reconciliation so that we would go and tell about the message of reconciliation, that we would be his ambassadors in doing that. So, in closing, I just want to mention, again, just by way of reminder, no one is outside of God's reach because God is all-powerful. The power of God, for the, that is the power of the gospel and the power of Christ. No one is beyond reach. No one is too bad for the mercy and the shed blood of Christ. Jesus is omnipotent and rules over Satan and his demons. Listen to Colossians 2. 13 through 15, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them uh, through, through Christ. A public display. Christ wants us to tell our story and, um, and he will give us the power and the strength to do that and he will do the work. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your great love. Thank you for your omnipotence, for your power. We, we praise you. We want to be those people who will speak of the awesome acts and tell of your greatness. Thank you for the cross of Christ and his resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. As a family of God, this is a, a corporate mission that we're on. And, and we're doing this individually, but we're also praying for each other. We support one another. Um, and, and God has called us to do this together as a church. And so what we're wanting you to do is write 
a name of, of a person that you are praying for. We're going to create an artistic representation of our mission of building bridges to those we love. Lord, it is so amazing to be able to know you. And I pray that that, Lord, would just be a motivator for us as we know you more intimately, to want to share you with others, to make you known. Uh, the people that we have written names on these tiles, Lord, we give them to you. We know that you are able because you are God. We, we know you are able to change their lives, to draw them to yourself, to open their eyes to who Jesus is, to remove the veil of darkness so that they can see the glory of Jesus, a risen Lord. We're so thankful that we can, we can trust you with these people, and we do. Lord, thank you uh, for the privilege of being um, bridge builders into people's lives. Thank you for giving us the message of reconciliation in our own lives, and then to give it to us to share with others. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, good morning once again. Last week, John gave us all an opportunity to, to think through the, the people in our lives and to, to pick one and to write their name on a tile, one specifically that we're going to be praying for, for their salvation and for our opportunity to, to be the gospel uh, in their lives. Uh, and as, as you go out in the foyer and you see that bridge with all the tiles out there, um, take a moment. To, to read through some of those and to lift them up as an opportunity of prayer. Well, last week, uh, John also uh, led us through a time of prayer, of, uh, of guided prayer. We're going to do that again, but we're going to be a little more focused on that person uh, that we wrote on that tile. Uh, and for, for the sake of, of, of being able to, to think through who they are, I'm going to be referring to them as your one 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 friend. And if you remember last week uh, and. Roger Locke's testimony, he talked about praying for one person at one o'clock for one minute. So that's how we're going to refer to this person that you wrote on your tile uh, as your one, one, one friend. And I'm going to read a verse or two and give you a prayer prompt and give you a moment to pray in silence. And then I'll come back and I'll do that again. And we'll, we'll do that back and forth a number of times in this time of, of prayer. And then I will, I will close. Uh, so that's that's kind of how this time of prayer is going to look. Uh, we're going to start in James. James 5, 16 says that the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So I want you to think that you can pray with confidence for this one, one, one friend, that God does hear your prayers. He answers your prayers. So right now, I want you to take this moment and to pray that God would give you confidence in your prayer through his spirit. So pray that right now. Romans 10, 14 reads, How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Pray that you would develop a, a deeper and more significant relationship with your one 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 friend for the very purpose of being able to speak the truth of the gospel to them. Take a moment and pray that right now.
Matthew 5, 16, maybe my all-time favorite verse. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Many folks uh, come to faith after seeing Christ's love displayed to them. So this, in this moment, pray that God would give you an opportunity to care for your one one friend. First Corinthians three six says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the increase. Pray that God would allow other Christians to cross the path of your one 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 friend, that they would provide examples of Christ to them as you do as well. Pray that in this moment. And now we're going to shift our focus a bit more specifically toward our one, one, one friends. In, first, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Pray that God would remove the spiritual blinders from your one, one, one friend, that that they would have sight to see the truth of the gospel. Take a moment to pray for them right now. In Acts 16, uh, in verse 14, this is Paul. Paul is speaking uh, to, to the uh, people there, and uh, this is specifically about Lydia. It says, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, uh, a seller of purple fabrics and a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. So at this time, pray that God would open the heart of your one 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 friend towards the, the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Pray that in this moment. John fourteen six, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's only one way to salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ. In this time, as we bring this time to a close, pray that your one, one, one friend would be drawn to Christ, that they would place their trust in him and him alone for their salvation. Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to participate in the gospel, that you, 
you give us opportunity to pray for folks in those spheres of influence that, that we live, work, and play in. That you give us the, the message of the gospel, of your grace, that we can explain it to them, that we can live it out in front of them, uh, that we can care for them and share the gospel with them. Father, I pray uh, that you would allow us as a body of believers in this community to see thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people come to know you because of the lives that we live in the community that you've placed us in. We thank you for that, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Um, my name is Mark Francis, and it is in continuing of our time of worship this morning to do things a little different. I wanted to take a moment to chat with a couple of our pastors here on staff and how maybe people built bridges into their lives and how they came to know the Lord. You know, so John, last week you shared a little bit with us about that story. But maybe you can elaborate a little bit more for us this morning of, of how people built bridges into your lives and how you came to know the Lord. Share your testimony. Sure. <clears throat> I uh, grew up in a Christian home. My parents were believers. Uh, we went to church um, throughout my growing up years. And um, I, I heard in, in the, the stories about Jesus, I heard the gospel going to Sunday school and vacation Bible school. Uh, I remember being around eight years old and, and different times at night before going to bed, I would pray, Jesus, please come into my heart. Jesus, please come into my heart. Jesus, please come into my heart. I prayed that over and over. I didn't get it. I knew that I was a sinner, um, and, and I was told that I was separate. That made me separate, separated from God, but I, but I just didn't understand. And uh, it wasn't until I was 12 years old that uh, we started going to another church, and there were four people, um, two men and, and two women. Uh, they, were, they were pretty old. They were in their 50s. And um, they came to our home for six weeks in a row. And, uh, and two of, of the adults met with my parents and then two of the, the elderly women <laughs> uh, met with my brothers and, and me. And uh, I had an older brother and a younger brother. And, uh, and they just were sharing the gospel with us. And it came to week six, uh, uh, October 1976, I still remember it, sitting in our room. And they explained to me that I was a sinner and that I was separated from God and that, I, um, that uh, I, I needed a savior, and that I, that I couldn't save myself, and that by putting my trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin, because he, he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again, and if I put my trust in him for who he is and for what he's done, that my sin would be forgiven, and that I would have a forever relationship with Jesus. And it was like a light bulb went on in my, in my, in my mind, and I thought, that's, that's what I want. I want to trust in Christ. And, and so I was in sixth grade, um, and uh, I just began to, uh, you know, be involved in youth group and, 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 uh, and grow in Christ, and I'm just so thankful for that. Um, <clears throat> you know, just recently, I, when I say recently, I don't know, God, God's been teaching me a, a lot of things, but one thing that I just want to highlight is that um, I, I really appreciate 1 John 1, 9, because, you know, I still sin, and if you wouldn't tell people that, that'd be great, but it's true. I still sin. And I need fellowship forgiveness. And that's what 1 John 1, 9 is all about. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm just so thankful that I, as, as, a, as a Christian now for many years, am able to go to Christ and, and confess and repent and, and know that he, uh, he promises 
to cleanse and forgive me and, and restore fellowship. The relationship's never lost, but the fellowship can be broken. And I'm just thankful for that kind of relationship with my Savior. Yeah, that's awesome. And that, that actually didn't take you that long. So you did good, John. Well, I appreciate that. A lot of pressure. There's a clock back. You don't there. know it, but there's a clock back there. You better be... <laughs> you know, and so what I heard you share, if I can break it down in a couple different categories, you, you shared how you were before you met Christ, mm -hmm. you shared how you met Christ, and then you shared a little bit kind of after you met Christ. So I, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. and, and Scott, I know you're a different person, but you have a little similar story, but maybe a different story as well. You know, we're all different, right? So each one of us has our own personal story. Yeah. So uh, much like John, as a, as a kid growing up, uh, where he grew up in a, a Christian home, I grew up in one that was not, uh, one that uh, uh, we didn't go to church until my later elementary years when my mom decided that we should go to church. And uh, we went to church with our neighbors, a church that our neighbors went with, and promptly a year later they stopped going to that church. But we kept going, and as I look back, it was a rather dead church. Um, and it had pastor after pastor and uh, one interim pastor who, who was an elderly gentleman. He was in his 80s. Um, he was a little older than his, yeah, just yeah, a little, just yeah, a little. Yeah. Um, he, had, he, had, he had just lost his wife, uh, and he was uh, in this process of grief, but he still lived life in a way that I had never seen anyone live before. Uh, it wasn't like he just put Christianity on like a coat, it just kind of oozed out of him. It was who he was. He was the person of Christ. And, and I was enamored with his life, how he at the same time could be humorous and at the same time be very serious, at the same time be very loving and caring and understanding. And it was just who he was. And he was, again, as I look back, I was seeing him as the only person I'd ever seen live out the Christian life. In, in such a tangible way, and I was, I was hooked. And uh, I, I was low-hanging fruit, too. Uh, one day, I literally just asked him, so what makes you different than all these other people that I see running around here? And he said, well, it's, it's because of what Christ did on the cross. And he explained the gospel very much the same way that the gospels explained to, to John that it was so simple, and, and I was like, that's what I, I want. I want it. I want it. Now, it didn't take me too long uh, to figure out that I could still sin and sin horrifically. Uh, and I made poor relational choices that led to sin and poor physical choices that led to sin. And, and God had to bring me to an end of myself before I really realized uh, what the depths of his grace was. Uh, and, and I still look back at that time and see how God uses that now in my life, uh, how I can speak truth in loving ways because I've been in those people's shoes at times. Uh, and I see even now uh, God teaching me, growing me, moving me forward. Uh, it's not been this uh, you know, meteoric rise to perfection it's been a bumpy road most of the way along, but I look back and see how much joy there is in the bumps in those roads, and I appreciate that. That's cool. Isn't it neat to hear a little personal stories from someone? 
get a chance to learn about themselves, it's, it's great. You know, and as you can share a story to someone just like you heard Scott and John, um, there should be something unique, but there should also be a constant. And so, John, I, I'm curious if there's something that you would encourage all of us with. What would be the one thing that you would suggest that we should be sharing to those around us? I, I would say um, keeping our story focused on Jesus because it really is his story, and we're sharing how we responded to his story, how we put our faith in who he is and what, he, and, and what he's done. And so within, as you're sharing your, your, your story, your testimony, just um, keeping that focus on uh, what did you believe about Jesus? What is it that you believe about Christ? Um, and, and share that. If I could just mention one other thing real quick, and that is, you know, many times, you know, you might hear people say, well, my testimony isn't that big of a deal. I became a Christian when I was, you know, two months old, and um, I, you know, I, I just, uh, which is not possible, but I'm just throwing that out there. Um, and, and it's no big deal. I didn't go to prison. It's not like that guy's testimony. That, that's, that's not the point of a testimony. Uh, the point is, is what Jesus has done. You're born with a sin nature. I'm born with a sin nature. That sin nature needs to be eradicated. And what he did on the cross, that's the big deal. And so your testimony is a big deal because you have, you're a new creation. Um, and uh, you're yucky. And I am too. It's been shouted from Golgotha's hill. I'm that bad. It, it required the slaughter of the precious Son of God because of my sin. So we, we are that bad. But that is just how the power of God and the love of God. And we're just sharing the story focused on Christ. And, and that is definitely what God has done for us. Yeah. But it's just as vital to say that mm. to somebody. Yeah. And that is what happened to me too. Yeah. But we're not going to get to my story because we're going to move on. But I, okay. I appreciate you guys, again, sharing that because it's encouraging of how simple it can be. And, and so, Scott, share with us a little bit more about how we can think through what our story might look like and how we can share it to someone else and maybe even who the people were and how they built bridges in our lives for that. Yeah, the, uh, as you walked in, my hope is that you picked up a, a share your story page. Uh, so we're going to actually kind of walk through that a little bit. And as Mark mentioned, uh, a key component is, is that person who built that bridge into your life. Very few people, I've known of a couple, uh, who came to the knowledge of Christ completely on their own. Uh, either through reading through Scripture and having a moment of, of understanding. But most people, and I'm guessing you two, have somebody in their life that built that bridge into your life with the gospel. So that's a key component. Uh, you'll, you'll notice it's three blocks. It's the before I trusted Christ. It's the how I met Christ and the since I trusted Christ block. So looking at the before I trusted Christ block, uh, like, like John said, uh, very few of us became believers at two months old. Um, so you had some history uh, before Christ, whether that was just four or five years, maybe it was four or five decades. But you had some history of who you were bef before Christ and, and how you came to a knowledge that you needed Christ. So I'm going to give you some time right now. Uh, there are pens and the little pockets uh, in the chair in front of you. Isn't that fantastic that these new chairs have pockets? We're using them two weeks in a row. Uh, we'll probably not use them for another year or so, but we're using them right now. So there's pens there for you. 
And right now, I just want you to do some bullet points of your life before Christ. Uh, This is not a time where you're going to flesh it all out. You can take this paper home with you, and I hope you do, and you kind of rewrite this story in kind of an edited fashion. But right now, I just want you to do some bullet points uh, before you trusted Christ. So share, share parts of your life that were kind of markers that marked who you were. So take the next couple of minutes and do that. Well, in that next block, the How I Met Christ block, this is that moment in time where the word Jesus became much more than just a word to you. Uh, that that name is, is a name that you put your trust in. Now, this may be one of those times where John you know, had that moment in time. I had a moment in time. But sometimes that moment is spread out over the course of months, maybe years. But you look back over that time and you're like, yes, yeah, somewhere in that time, uh, I placed my trust in Christ. And again, we want to think through who was that person or people uh, who built bridges into your life with that truth, the truth of the gospel. Uh, so take a moment and again, bullet points of how you trusted Christ? What were the circumstances surrounding that time? Who was involved uh, with providing you uh, with that truth uh, that you trusted? So take the next moment or two and just bullet point some of those items in that next block. And now finally, in that, that third block, the since I trusted Christ block, how has life changed since you trusted Christ? How have you seen God impact you? How have your relationships changed? How have, how have the way you deal with folks at work or at school How have those things changed? How has Christ in you changed you? Now, 
not everybody has this fantastic upward climb. Uh, sometimes life goes up and down, and that was a lot of my world, uh, and it might be yours. So that's still part of your story, and that Christ is still working in you, that you are still being perfected, uh, and, and some of us are just, we got longer roads uh, than others. So take this next moment or two, and again, just bullet points, some highlights of your life since you've trusted Christ. Let's go ahead and do that. Many of you are looking over that, that document, that page, and, and thinking, I could write more and more and more about this. I could write days worth of my life in this. Let me encourage you to shorten that up a little bit. Not many people have days to listen to your story, no matter how amazing it is. But there may be a few of you out there who are saying, I do not have a story like this. I do not have a moment in time where I have placed my trust in somebody like Jesus. In fact, I've got a lot of questions about this whole Jesus thing. And before I even begin to fill out this the paperwork, I, I got some things to work with. If that's where you are right now, that's okay. I would encourage you, if you have questions, after this service, there'll be... Many of us still kind of mulling around up here. Please come speak with us. We'd love to talk to you about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Now, many of you, too, are thinking, I don't know how to explain this whole gospel thing to someone. I, 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 I'm still lost in that. There's lots of resources, even out in our foyer. There's one. It's a little booklet that says, uh, this is the good news. You'll see them all over out there. Uh, it is the shortest version of a creation to Christ kind of story, ending with the, the, the gospel truths of the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you, grab one of those, read it, and then throw it away. Because I don't want you hooked on it, like this is the thing that saves people, because it's not. Uh, it is a brief overview of the story, uh, of this, this meta story that God has us in. Uh, so you can tell that story too. You can go from creation to Christ. You can do it. I know you can. Uh, and you can wrap it up with the truths of who Jesus is. I know you can do that. That's, that's one thing. There's a number of online resources too. The Navigators have a, a resource called One Verse Evangelism where you just use one verse 
uh, to, to be kind of your, your key verse. You don't have to memorize hundreds of verses. You know, you can use John 3.16 or Romans 6.23. You can use just one verse to wrap that all together around the gospel presentation. So there's lots of opportunity uh, for you to do that. And if you're looking for more resources, feel free uh, to, to catch up with me after the service. I'd love to be able to, to do that with you. Let me pray for you. Father, uh, as we all have different stories, as Christ followers, there are some key things about our stories that are the same. And they are your love for us, Jesus' willingness to die for us in our place, that he would be resurrected to prove his, his strength over death, and that we have placed our faith in those truths for our eternal destiny. Father, that is an amazing, an amazing thing that we all, as Christ followers, have that in common. It is then that hope that we look forward to what you're going to do in and through us. And we praise you already. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.